Hey all cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fancy Premier League podcast. My name is Tom, I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? You nailed it, Tom. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> Obviously you are not Josh. Josh is away on vacation. It's vacation season and always cheating, but I'm so blessed to have Tom Campbell from the Fantasy Football Fix and you might also know him as at utterly TC on Twitter, where you went viral, Tom. Uh, was it during <laughs> the COVID pandemic when you kicked your soccer ball over the fence and oh you my goodness, yeah. had to get your neighbors to retrieve it for you? How exactly <sighs> did that go? Oh my goodness, yeah. That that. So uh, look, Brandon, thank you so much for having me back on the show. I was so stoked when you reached out to me and said you wanted to, you wanted to get back in in contact. So yeah, it's great to great to be back on the show. And and you're right, that was um, that was a few years ago. And there was a tweet that that um, got I forget the number, but it was like hundreds of thousands of of likes and retweets. And it was uh, a situation whereby um, I'd kicked uh my new football during uh covid times over the garden wall which sort of speaks volumes to thy ability as a player i, I guess and uh, my eight-year-old um neighbor son had to had to retrieve that but he was not in his garden at the time so i had to ask his parents <laughs> to retrieve the ball and at the time i was 36 years old so um sure yeah that was um, that was a tweet that did the rounds and uh, that certainly more um made me more infamous than any of the content that i put out from an fpl perspective but um yes it's cool it's really great to be back with you man really cool I think you just painted the uh, America-UK <laughs> divide between the two of us where I said you kicked your soccer ball over the fence in your backyard mm. and you said uh, you accidentally put your football over uh, your garden <laughs> wall. So there you are. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah this, we, is, this is an authentic discussion. You got it. <laughs> we are really just yeah. minutes after the final whistle of Liverpool Arsenal, which had, I think, us both sweating. We will talk a bit about our feelings about that match because just IRL, it was a barn burner. Not what a, a glorious mm. match for fantasy returns, but mm. we'll run through the action from game week 30. Tom, you played your wild card going into game week 30. Sure did, so, man. Yeah, I think you've got going to have some interesting perspective in terms of <laughs> looking to game week 32 and 34 or not. I don't know. You were yeah. telling me before we started <laughs> recording that your motive in playing your wild card going into 30 was more from a traditional make fantasy fun again perspective. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm not saying it was completely influenced by the fact that I was coming on your show, but um, look, I've not had the, the greatest of seasons, Brandon, if I'm honest. I was um, sort of treading perennially perennially treading water around sort of 400k for weeks on end um which is not not where anybody wants to be who takes okay. the game seriously i would i would venture um kind of doing okay in some mini leagues but not really with anything much much to play um and the way that my chips had kind of fallen it just sort of lent itself to kind of mixing things up a little bit and i just sort of thought there's just about enough time left in the in the campaign to if i do this then it may make a tangible enough difference to kind of make that overall rank a little bit more respectable yeah. and also that I, th I felt like there was enough weeks to uh, you know separate the team from the from the herd the template team is great but you know mimicking that was not going to make me up um kind of you know a hundred thousand places or so because i was already i kind of already had it so yeah that was the kind of thought process that went into it the fact that was coming on here i was like well that'll give us something to talk about and your um you know moniker that's been 
been cool to to run with and and we try and make fantasy football fun again it's kind of worked out like we'll get into talking about how the team's done but um yeah yeah, it's kind of worked out yeah that's good and uh it's also (laughs) fortuitous that we podcast this week because you're a west ham fan i'm a fulham supporter so we had the brandon Mm. and tom darby didn't really go Mm -hmm. according to plan for fulham (laughs) even though i think we are probably the first team to arrive on the beach it was mm. overall a bit of a banter weekend. Would Holland start? Wouldn't he? Of course, he came back and he braced. We have this question from FPL Rabbi who says, does anyone have the probability <laughs> of both Salah and the world's greatest pen taker, Ivan Tony, missing penalties in the same game week? Asking for a friend. So poor Rabbi <laughs> here looks like he got bit by the uh, missed pen bug twice in a game week. Yeah. I mean, when were you watching when Tony stepped up to take the first of two pens in that that match where he missed? Yeah, brutal for owners of the two players, right? I mean, it's it's, it's kind of unthinkable, isn't it? Uh, I wasn't watching because um, the UK is uh, is archaic in the way that it allows <laughs> to, you know which games you're allowed to watch without you know resorting to means that we wouldn't advocate here on this this podcast uh, necessarily right um, it's the but i was kickoffs right because they want everybody to take it. their take their dad and their son to, uh, to the, to the match it. right yeah. yeah but i was listening um and i listened to uh commentary during the three o'clock quite typically action and i like the kind of um spontaneity of the reactions and stuff and um yeah it was a uh, he lit the lit the stat sheet up didn't he um ivan tony in that game goodness me and um, I think it was pretty fortunate to get that that second chance to convert from the the spot yeah. kick was my take on the on the uh, you know a we another weekend Brandon of just awful officiating like I'm not sure you don't want to belabor that but goodness me it was uh, well, it's, it's getting pretty tough to accept I think right off the top officiating is going to be I think the a lot of discussion and football commentary during this week to come yes because of what was done to Brighton Generally, the officiating over the last month or so or this season, of course, there's VAR. But then uh, the news comes out during the Liverpool-Arsenal match that Andy Robertson has been elbowed in the face by a linesman. Mm. And this Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, we're (laughs) uh, having watched the Manchester United-Fulham FA Cup match here, you We've been talking so much about players mobbing officials, abusing officials, putting their hands on officials, and here is the other side of it. Is it just me, or this should not be a surprise to anyone? Officiating in this league, and I think many other leagues in Europe might say, has been a circus the last couple Mm -hmm. of years, and it seems like it's only getting worse, and VAR... Mm -hmm. Uh, while VAR does this is not VAR's aim, it's really dehumanizing the officials to a degree because there's this this notion that decisions are no longer really happening f- with any finality on the pitch. They're now happening in some room with some faceless some faceless drones, even though we know the name of the VAR official. So I mm-hmm. I'm kind of just disgusted all the way around, and the FA yeah. should understand that they let it get to this point where officials probably feel like they have no defense they're constantly being abused and mobbed it was gonna Mm -hmm. boil it's it's been boiling over now so i I really don't know how to resolve it though i i i I concur and i and you know not to tell the listeners you know we told you so but i vividly recollect you know you and 
Josh, obviously coming from an American sports background and familiarity with this type of officiating in other sports, you know, forewarning uh, the, the, of, of what was to come and not necessarily the, the, the treatment of officials, although I, I completely accept and agree that that's a, that's a kind of consequence of, of what's happened, of the, of the complete ineptitude that we've seen. Yeah. But it could have been avoided if we kept the sanctity and purity of sport yeah. rather than making it so forensic and attempt to make everything so precise, which I just don't think is in the nature and the spirit of entertainment personally. So, look, I, I mean, I, I know we, you and I have talked on this show before. You and Josh certainly have. And it breaks my heart, really, because football is an escapism and fancy football being a, you know, an extension of that. And we find ourselves now talking about, you know, physical actions against officials and yeah. and kind of bewildering. And there's talk about whether or not there's, um, you know, shenanigans at play to, to keep a, a top six in sync and, and at the cost of, you know, the smaller teams and stuff. And you're just thinking... Why have we taken aim at our own feet with a sawn-off yeah. shotgun and just collectively decided that pulling the trigger made sense? Right. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, officiating, should, <laughs> I mean, ideally would be invisible and it's just more visible mm. than ever. Leave it to me, Tom, to take a discussion <laughs> of joy and making fantasy fun and turn it to the abuse of officials and the yeah. abuse of don't, officiating. Don't you think that this this gets you away from talking about West Ham beating Fulham? That's how this whole conversation started. <laughs> all right, all right, right. And we are getting right. back now. <laughs> right. So just I just want to uh, further underscore your bona fides. Tom, we've been friends for mm. a long time. I met you Very in London years ago um, at, uh, at our first ever London meetup. And we've stayed in sure touch ever since. As I mentioned, you work for Fantasy Football Fix. You do weekly videos. Tell me a little yeah. bit about what those videos are like and where people can view them and and. Yeah. How yeah, how that how that has like influenced your FPL style, your FPL play. Cool. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the transition from someone who was a fairly decent player a few years ago to a pundit is now definitely complete for me. So, uh, you know, the overall rank I referred to at the beginning of the show is kind of indicative of that, but like I'm messing around, but the videos that I do for for Fantasy Football Fix dot com came about um through conversations with the guys who run the website there and and they'd seen that i and, and heard me on different shows of this being one and what have you and sort of said reached out and said hey do you want to give this a go and um we sort of found a bit of a niche whereby each week i talk to um a, a, a guest who makes up a suite of guys who have just got you know stellar records over five ten years you know and they come on and they talk through their their um kind of how the teams come to be over the last uh for that given game week but also the four or five weeks since the last time that we spoke so we've got this mm -hmm. really kind of cool cadence established and you know the viewers are getting more familiar with the with the guests that we have on and, and tracking their seasons and you get to kind of understand their thought processes and it's kind of spooky brandon as to how similar each of their um I guess their decision-making processes are with, with one another. Um, they're, they're not necessarily close friends. There is a Slack community for them and, and what have you get yeah. on handsomely, but didn't know each other before. But um, when you get them on and you sort of hear how they uh, corral together information and arrive at the decisions, uh, it, it is it is remarkable how attuned this group of people are <laughs> to 
playing the game properly. Yeah. And it's never completely, um, you know, consistent with how I think about the game. Is there one again, thing, is there one thing is Tom, right. that stands out that might tie these managers together or that one of them sort of put forth as like a technique or a, le- a quick lesson that we and the listeners yeah. could yeah. take with them? Good question. Um, I'd say it's really hard to hone in on one, but I think if you said if you if I had to, I would say that they they are still advocates for information over you know spontaneity and and they will they will they will make their decisions late in the day and with all of the information at hand and and be as, as you know as patient as 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 possible. I would caveat that slightly by saying that that does tend to tend to differ uh, from a you know price catching perspective they'll be more willing to some will be more willing to to act earlier on in the in the beginning part of the season particularly where there aren't kind of cup games um potentially meaning that injuries are more likely etc they'll they'll establish a team value up front but thereafter it's it's um you know really kind of sensible informed decisions that are made late in the day and and being patient once they've made those calls they'll back them um and they'll give them the time to play out and uh yeah i know i know the uh the the rhetoric and the narrative uh uh, you know upholding it i maybe find a little bit more difficult (laughs) well uh, as i said we're recording sunday after liverpool arsenal so we are acting on spontaneity with our takes on this podcast tom we've got a lot of action that's Mm -hmm taking place this week ahead of the game week 31 double of course the champions league is back this week chelsea is away at real madrid man city are hosting bayern manchester united uh, have sevilla in the europa league so and then they are hosting Mm -hmm. them at old trafford on thursday night and west ham have gank uh, I believe I have oh. that that right. So, the standout uh, tie, yeah. <laughs> how are you feeling about West Ham's involvement in the Europa League? I mean, the troubles are here on the home front, Tom, not not on the continent. Mm-hmm. It's a weird one, right? Because it has been the one kind of uh, ray of light on a season which has been way more difficult than it should have been. It is the same, pretty much the same group of players which impressed so much last year. Um, there's no real justification for quite how poor we've we've been especially away from home but the european jaunt's been fun um my girlfriend mocks me uh endlessly because whenever i put them on um on a on a thursday oh not even night because it's it's afternoon because it's such a a time when no one kind of pays any attention to it um and she's like you know who who are you playing i'm like do you know what i can't even tell you where and bouts in <laughs> eastern europe or these teams necessarily are so she's like oh it's not the you know it's not the best you know the best competition and i kind of have <laughs> well, to con- assume, concede that to her but it's been i assume it's been i assumed fun. you all were playing gank <laughs> but you're actually playing ghent so there you go that's as much as i know <laughs> what we do know is how our squads performed in game week 30 i wrapped mm. on a green arrow 61 points and you know i I was beating the drum for the Holland captaincy before any any of you lot were because I held Holland <laughs> through through the international break and the yeah. injury. Uh, but it, it just seemed like as soon as Man City and Holland started posting to socials as early as Wednesday and Thursday with him smiling and taking the training pitch, that that was the move to make. So 24 points from him on top of a Watkins return, Rashford assist, 
And Lewis Dunk was my Game Week 30 hero. I told Josh mm-hmm. last week that if Dunk scored in Game Week 29, that I'd write uh, a uh, recommendation on his LinkedIn profile. Unfortunately, Dunk <laughs> waited one Game Week too late, and there are no LinkedIn pro, um, uh, recommendations being written. But 61 oh, points so push, pushes me up to 44,231, uh, continuing okay. to, I don't know, make some sort of uh, reckless charge toward the top 10K. Do you think I can do it, Tom? Definitely, of course you can. Definitely, and I've, look, I've been, it's been it's been fun to you know a long time listener, of course, and um, from a listener perspective, obviously you guys wouldn't necessarily know this because you're the producers and uh, and hosts and what have you. But from my perspective, it's cool to see the two of you doing so well and Aww. being able to vibe off one another in that way because historically it's kind of been um topsy-turvy in terms of one person doing well the other kind of not and stuff and that makes for good content too in a in a yeah. kind of more um uh, sort of is it short and fraud type way like is that the right word i don't know to, uh, you've got it to laugh I at think that. So. But, yeah but in actual fact it's cool to to see both of you having kick-ass seasons of course you can definitely nothing but uh-huh. nothing but faith here yeah, I did put Zuma mm-hmm. on the bench. I thought I thought Fulham were gonna do more, but I have somewhere later in this episode. I want to talk a little bit about teams to target because I think we learned a bit this weekend about whether teams yeah. are on the beach or whether they're just supremely hopeless. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, let's turn the focus on Tom and your team because, as we mentioned, sure. you played the wild card, which is super interesting yeah. because we've got. Two major hurdles to clear in the next four weeks. Game week 32, we've got blanks for some major teams, including Manchester City, uh, Manchester United, and Brighton, as well as Chelsea. When you decided to play your wild card, it was kind of to jumpstart your season that was idling. Did you take the blanks in 32 or the doubles in 34 into account when you put the squad together? Sure, sure. Yeah, I did. I mean, like, I, I'm still taking the game seriously, Brandon, and and yeah. I feel like the season's not been a disaster. There's just been, as we know, a lot of FPL can come down to 50-50 calls or, you know, the poker analogy that Josh likes is kind of you set up a, a flush draw. You need the you need that fifth suit to hit, yeah, right? And, and I just more often than not, it hasn't for me this season, but that's not necessarily to say that I've managed fair. the season poorly. Fair, fair, yeah. And to that end, I've ended up with... A, a lot of chips in play or had ended up with a lot of chips remaining. So I still have the free hit chip in play. So that's absolutely intended to be used in in the blank game week 32. So it, it kind of, for me, didn't matter in terms of yeah, I could fill the team with, with any number of or any complement of, of players from the teams who, who don't play in that particular game week without it being a problem. Um, and I also have a bench boost still in play as well or still available. So... I'll be targeting one of the doubles later down the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily, Brandon, so I've had a good wild card week. I've got 71 points this week. Nice. Um, oh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good return. Um, and you and I were talking before recording, and it sounds so straightforward, but I was kind of like thinking, do you know what? Yes, the fixtures obviously matter. The blank matters. But with the chips that I have available, I'll be able to sort of navigate them i think relatively comfortably mm-hmm. um it was just a question for me of of establish choosing for me which are the the best players on the best teams and working out which um you know complement or contingent uh, 
best fit what I wanted from the rest of the season. So that, for me, made it a no-brainer to include Kevin De Bruyne. He's my favourite non-West Ham player in world football. Yeah. I've finally seen him play live now, um, and I, th- I thought that with the fixture that he had against Southampton and the upcoming match against Leicester, it made sense to you know augment Haaland. I also kept him through the internationals, Brandon, as well. Um, I wanted one other. If truth be told, I didn't consider Grealish because I kind of thought I wanted a way into the Man City defence. I don't know whether or not that's still something we'd advocate for because they do seem to give up the occasional goal. Not occasional. They it give really up the, is remarkable. The odd goal every yeah. damn game. <laughs> and it, I mean, but, how much is it down to just lapses of concentration because they do dominate their opponents? Mm. So efficiently and you know Mm. i feel like these goals always tend to come around the same Mm. time in the match you know around the 75th Mm. minute where they probably are just thinking about you know what they're going to do after the match uh what they've got to do uh tomorrow you know errands they have to run and that's when their concentration gets broken and you're right um and so uh, but i ended up with edison in goal um i've been down this road before i know mm-hmm. the two pointers the one like they come and yeah. it sucks but i still believe there could be a run of clean sheets in there and um supplemented him with uh, with steel at brighton who i think would be a decent uh, bench boost option as he's he's yeah. retained his place and played well at spurs from what i saw so um yeah edison the back four i ended up with i went with um kept kieran trippier uh, he's been in for the whole season and i still think he's a good option um I went for Martinez at West at that Man United, excuse me. Uh mm-hmm. great value and I I think defensively they've been they've been good. Um I think he's the more um reliable fitness selection out of him and uh, Rafael Varane um yep. in terms of, you know, r- reliability of start. Yeah. So that Maguire started against do... Everton this weekend as we saw, so you yeah. made the right call for sure. Yeah, and I, th- I think I don't think Ten Hag or any Man United fan would have been excited to see Harry Maguire back in the team. But um, I think as and when they do need to rotate the centre backs, I think Martinez is probably more likely to keep his spot. So I went with him. Tyron Mings um, is a ni- another player I kept. I'd liked his um, I liked his returns recently. He's sort of quietly been really effective. So um, and I'd recommend him down the stretch yeah. as well. Speaking speaking uh, of so Harry Maguire, as, as, oh, yeah. as, mm-hmm. as an Englishman. Would you mm. say Mings should be over Maguire in the England squad? I mean, that's uh, Sophie's choice, was it? I, 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 I don't. Uh, the lesser of two evils, uh, is that what you meant to yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, is that really something to celebrate being chosen over? I, I, I don't. I think. Um, I think if I had to, if I had to pick one, goodness me, that's uh, that. I'd probably look to play. Uh, I'd definitely be looking to play like three at the back there, Lewis and make Dunk. sure that you 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 include a John Stones and as well. Okay, gotcha. I'd, I'd look. I think look, I'm, I'm messing around really. Mings has, Mings has done well under Emery. Um, I don't particularly rate him. I think he's really. Um, he actually comes across really well off camera. He's really mm-hmm. eloquent and and kind of feel like his. He's quite. Um, attuned to, to what's going on and what the fans are thinking and, and like broader than just Villa mm-hmm. um, whereas I think Maguire comes across sometimes as a bit um, uh, a bit arrogant and a bit head in the clouds like it sort of talks about the profligate finishing when it's like well Harry you've given sure. up like three big chances at the back um, <laughs> hypothetically but, yeah, speaking it, if if somebody like Maguire were to be vacationing in Greece and uh, were to pull <laughs> a do you know who I am with the cops uh, <laughs> You yeah, something it. like you that, maybe. You, I don't know. 
Oh, do you know what, Brandon? You could definitely, if West Ham were to survive and David Moyes keeps his job, there's a, there's a scenario that you could see Harry Maguire pulling on the captain's armband for West Ham after Declan Rice gets sold, couldn't you? You could see that playing yeah, out. That's a, not that actually the, makes a lot of sense. It's not it's a not stretch, like, is it? Yeah. yeah the the, the centre-backs yeah. that West Ham currently have aren't exactly the most responsible no. types either. So, I, yeah, that's a good No, shot. they're not. Um, look, the, the, the last defender, they said, I'm not proud of this one. And my girlfriend told me not to do this, but <laughs> okay. I was adamant. But I th- I thought Ben Chilwell remained a good pick um, in spite of Chelsea deciding to rehire Frank Lampard and, and welcome themselves to like meme territory. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's proven to be a terrible initial pick as he was benched, came on got booked zero pointer it's like i'm yeah. not proud of it so we'll move past that one um and then the front six is probably could probably go through this quite quickly brandon because i kept yeah. saka i think he's still yeah. a great pick could have could have could have uh, got more points than the solitary one he picked up today kevin de bruyne i i do feel like he could have ended up with even more points in that game with you know the shot that Grealish had saved that 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 he then converted was from a KDB pass, etc. Right. And there was a right. header that he could have got, except, but you know, nine points was a good return. Uh, Rashford, who I'm sure we'll talk about at length. Um, Ollie Watkins, Definitely. I've had in the team for a while. Captain Haaland. And then Gabriel Jesus was my, um, was my other, um, no, other forward. And he had no a, a more nice fitting forward for Easter Sunday than Gabriel Jesus. Right. And he's, he's yeah, right. well and well and truly back. And it's great to see, uh, not just because of the bet that I have with our friend Marlon about who is the better fantasy manager, because he thought that that Darwin Nunez was going to get more points this season. Again, Darwin starting from the, the bench for Liverpool. Listen, I'm not counting my chickens until they've hatched, Tom. So let's let's no, just leave it not. at that. But I I think you'd be very happy with this squad. Yeah, let's we'll definitely have to talk about the Rashford injury. Uh, yeah. Ten Hag has has come out and said that they really won't know or say anything uh-huh. about what's going on with Rashford for another day or two. I think there will be some scans sure. in, involved, of course. But Jesus, you have to be really happy with how this one yeah. went. Arsenal, you, know, you do wonder. They have some tough fixtures coming. How stout is their defense going mm-hmm. to be? But uh, from Martinelli to Jesus, yeah. to have m- multiple pieces of this attack is feeling good. I just felt, Brandon, and I don't know what your opinion is, but, you know, the, the title race is so close this season, even after the, the, the draw at Anfield today, you know, kind of put the advantage, I guess, a, a little bit back in Man City's court, I guess, because if they win all their games, it's the title of theirs and stuff, but it's still, you know, anyone's to, to get, I guess, really. I just felt every game's going to be, you know, pedal to yeah. the metal. I'm going to yeah. try and another one other piece of that. And they they were so good today for the first 25 minutes plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still I still have a lot of faith in in their their offensive capacity for sure. I should say on my bench brand, and I've got a lot of Brighton assets on there, and 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 Botman from Newcastle as well. So mm-hmm. you know, I I benched them for the Spurs game. Um, wasn't thrilled about doing so, and they they looked good in in what was a topsy turvy game as well. So, yeah, I feel like the team set up quite well, as you would hope off the back of a wild card for the run in. But um, there wasn't loads of thought applied to it. Really, it was kind of like, a, well, this seems to make sense, yeah. and yeah. let's get yeah, some good the, players and see how they do. <laughs> yeah, the Fabio Borges approach of get good players and good teams. I like it. I think yeah. Let's talk about Me Rashford. Too. Let's talk about Chilwell sure. a bit too. Uh, but before we get mm-hmm. to that, let's talk about other managers who are doing well after this week. The always genius Super League. 
We are 27,000 managers strong. If you want to join, it's never too late. Pop over to alwayscheating.com where you can get the league code. Top 10 after game week 30, we've got Mort Martinson in 10th place, Tom Appadell in 9th, Mark Jordan in 8th, followed by Vicky Davis in 7th, Guillermo Almeida in 6th, Charlie Boyle in 5th, Mark Bleakley in 4th place. The top three, you've got Ramadan Kareem in 3rd, Sarah Edge in 2nd, and Sayakur Tai in 1st. Uh, we've got everybody captaining Holland except for Charlie Boyle, the Maverick, still in fifth place, but uh, he was the low man with 47 points. So, I mean, how do you feel? Uh, somebody on our Always Dream Discord mentioned this feeling, you know, a, a little bit of not remorse, but bad luck where having Tony and Sala in your teams, but no Holland, you had every right to surpass Holland owners this week if Tony and Sala convert all their chances, namely the penalties. But yeah. how how much are managers playing with fire not having Holland right now? They host Leicester City, who look entirely mm. rudderless right now at home at the Hedihad in game week 31. And the big mm-hmm. sticking point is Holland will blank in 32. Man City mm-hmm. are embarking on the next step of their Champions League campaign. Would you, if you didn't have Holland right now, would you 100% be getting him in for 31 and the 32 blank? Or do you feel like you've got to stick to your guns and just hold out until game week 33? Look, I mean, we don't like the word essential, do we? Um, with, with, a, with a fancy game, it doesn't lend itself to creative thinking and what have you. But I think there comes a point, um, and I'm not sure when in a 44-goal season... Uh, you know, in the, like early April, that point comes, but it has already come, in my view. And I think yeah. that, I think that he does need to be part of your fifteen-man team. Um, I think you do have to captain him pretty much, regardless of fixture. Is my is my feeling, irrespective of whether or not you're consolidating rank or chasing. Look, I don't like the answer. To be fair, um, <laughs> I wish I could be be a, a little bit more maverick, and maybe my the videos for the fix guys has has steered me a little bit but i don't i don't mm-hmm. think so brandon i think it's just this is a guy who i think is is uh pretty special actually in terms of what we've seen in the premier league so far over its 30 whatever years that it's been around and um and actually yeah i think you just have to kind of accept that he's harlan's inevitable yeah, is he is inevitable, and, and I think the bl- the blank the blank will be the blank. You're going to want him back after that. It's one game week. Um, would you if he if you played him and he didn't score in a game, which is of course possible, and you captained him, that would be what four points. So you'd be talking losing out four in a blank because you get zero. It's not that big of a difference for one game week. So yeah. I feel like he should be part of everyone's um, squad makeup, um, even though it doesn't. It does. It does sort of take away a bit of. Uh, the make fancy make fancy fun again, uh, Monica. I'm afraid. <laughs> All right, we must look forward, Tom, Always. and talk mm-hmm. about our bus teams. So, with your wild card mm-hmm. fresh. I, there's there's yeah. always this awkward moment of I've played my wild card. Maybe it went poorly. Mm-hmm. Maybe it went well. 
mm-hmm. now immediately the next game week deadline, you have to get rid of one of these guys. You don't have to. Yeah. But yeah. what was the mistake you made that you you want to rectify? What transfers <laughs> are you looking to target for game week thirty one? If any, maybe you're you're happy with this wild card team. I think it looks well, like a really strong squad. Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Off the back of a wild card, Brandon. But I, I kind of wanted to cheat and be like, well, actually, I'm joining a podcast with somebody who talks FPL every week, at least once a week, normally twice a week, and 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 is having a kick ass season. So. Let's get his opinion on this. So <laughs> I'm almost tempted to roll out the same um, 11 that I just walked through, but that would involve Ben Chilwell starting mm. off the back of what I'm expecting to be a pretty humiliating game against Real Madrid in the Champions League. He might not even start this game and playing a Brighton team who I just think are in- amazing. And I kind of mm. want to start either and or both Solly March and, and Matoma respectively who would be playing against them. So Chilwell seems like the like I have to accept that my girlfriend was right, which causes me a problem. Because <laughs> this is why you, know, no you, you yeah, this is why you mm-hmm. and her will uh, be very successful. You have good communication skills. You're yeah. not afraid to compromise oh. or tell each other when you're right or wrong. That's good. That's healthy. Well, let's hope so, right? Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's whether or not I because obviously plan is to free hit thirty two. So to me, it yeah. doesn't make sense to hold a transfer because I'd be free hitting in in thirty two anyway. So that might be something that the listeners want to bear in mind as well for people who I'm sure there'll be lots of managers listening in who will be looking to use a free hit chip in in thirty two. So it seems to make sense to use something your free transfer mm-hmm. in thirty one. So Ben Chilwell looks like the the candidate to be moved on, yeah. Brandon. But um, I think I I'm think not necessarily a, sure that anyone leaps out. Who, is there anyone that you think is a is a great viable mm-hmm. alternative for, for, for well, game week thirty one specifically? This is the curveball thinking because a lot of managers will look at a squad similar to yours, Tom, and they'll see two players. Chilwell, okay, Chelsea have a, appointed a meme caretaker manager. They still look poor, and yeah, they've got this Real Madrid tie coming up. I think Chilwell will have a lot of minutes. I think Chilwell was probably rested ahead of what is going to be a very demanding Champions League tie. But as evidenced against Wolves, City need all the firepower that they can get. And Chilwell on his day is one of Mm -hmm. Chelsea's best players from defense to attack. I think he plays. Rashford, with what looks like probably a groin injury, he could be out for Mm -hmm. three to four weeks. But here's the curveball. I think Chilwell still is the standout option for the transfer because Chelsea, Mm -hmm. uh, for all the reasons we've stated, just not a great team to zero in on for fantasy, Mm -hmm. especially if one doesn't have a free hit. Chelsea will blank in 32. And Rashford... If we if we find out that maybe he'll be back in three to four weeks now, you if mm-hmm. if his groin injury was similar to what Holland was working with, it looks like it might be more severe. But Holland was mm-hmm. out for three to four weeks, and that included an international mm-hmm. break. Rashford might be fit for Manchester United's double in game week thirty four. He could serve your team in the future, and your team is so strong with guaranteed starters that I think you can bench Rashford and carry him for a few weeks until we know more. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. I think Chilwell out is the way to go. The one caveat here is one of my feelings coming out of this game week is Arsenal's attack from Jesus to pick a midfielder still feels like a really great way to go. 
uh, and mm-hmm. Rashford to it, maybe it's Grealish or maybe it's Martinelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a high upside pick. And I think whoever you mm-hmm. bring in to replace Chilwell would be a lower ceiling. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I like I, it, man. And and the, and the yeah, it's good thoughts, Brandon, as well. And, and you mentioned you had Marcus Rashford as well. And we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to your bus team in, in a moment. But that it's a, it's such a problem with the, the glut of fixtures Man United have and have had Rashford and Bruno Fernandes feel like they're the ones who are impervious to any kind of minute kind of reduction mm-hmm. from Ten Hag's perspective is really those two do seem to play all of the time. Um, and I just wonder whether or not they will they will do everything they can just to, to get him back, maybe even before for the game week 33 into the Spurs game. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. know the prognosis yet. So when people listen to this, you know, that some more information may have may have come to come to hand. But I feel it's, it's going to be really difficult to part ways with Rashford unless there's something definitive that rules him out for you know, a really prolonged period of time and you know the recuperation's not going to be, you know, you expect him to come back and straight into the starting lineup, then I think you'd be you'd be more inclined to sell him then. But yeah. I'm really hoping I can hold him because I, I do feel like he's he's been such great value. I've got a lot of money tied up in him as well. I'd, I'd prefer to keep him if I could. Yeah, it looks like Rasher will be part of my transfer plans because I do not have a free hit uh, left and I just need to shed people who uh, blank in 32. Totally so yeah, yeah. Totally different, yeah. And, 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 and in, in, in that, from that perspective, I feel totally fine. We, I will lose 0.4, I think on Rashford, it will cost me an extra 0.4 to buy him back, yeah. but that is not really the end of the world in the grand scheme of things. Nope. I rolled my transfer for game week 30. So I've got two frees to play with. I have exact money. Mm-hmm. The plan before the Rashford injury was, Keppa to Allison, and uh, then I would turn Luke Shaw into uh, uh, Ben White, the Arsenal defender, mm-hmm. and that yeah. would sort me out. I'd, I'd then have a starting keeper for thirty-two and another starting defender. But now I, I, I get the sense from what Ten Hag is saying in the press conference and certain fan quadrants of the internet that Luke Shaw seems likely that he'll be back before Rashford would be. So maybe mm-hmm. I hold Rashford. He's the one guy that I hold through the blank or I end up still selling him. But Gabrielle Martinelli coming in for Rashford mm-hmm. still allows me to do the Keppa to Allison goalkeeper transfer. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Allison though? I, I, I like the fact that Liverpool have a very strong double in 34 where I plan to bench mm-hmm. boost. They have two home fixtures, Spurs and Fulham. Now, Allison and Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool, I should say, not in the best form. I think Allison is playing mm-hmm. fine. They're not, Liverpool are not falling uh, by the hands of, of Allison. And with Leeds in 31, remarkable fixture, mm-hmm. Leeds just are not mm-hmm. a serious team at the moment. Then mm-hmm. they host yeah. Forest at home during 32 followed by West Ham in that double just feels like a really strong run of fixtures. So for me to lose an injured Rashford and Keppa who, who knows when he's going to start rotating with, um, mm, Mendy, with Edward yeah. Mendy because yeah. Lampard is, has, has previous with Keppa and so on. So that feels like the right move to me. Any objections? It's on a your great end? shot. Yeah. No, well, Objections probably too strong, Brandon. But um, look, when I was putting my team together, unsurprisingly, Liverpool players were seriously recommended on on the different algorithms and predictive models and what have you. And um, 
that's not to, to, to shoot them down completely, but I've just lost a bit of faith in them mm-hmm. as a collective unit over the course of the season. Now, I don't know how seminal a moment that um, Xhaka, Trent Alexander-Arnold altercation will be in the title run-in and in the course of Liverpool season, but it might be significant. Prior to that, I didn't think there was any kind of spark from Liverpool at all. Mm-hmm. Subsequent mm-hmm. to that, they played a lot mm-hmm. better and stuff. But Interesting. Um, I certainly wouldn't be targeting them or looking to them defensively um, yeah. at the moment. I I thought for, it, for some of the game they were pretty woeful um, <laughs> defensively and like not yeah. for the first time in that game. Yeah. Allison is probably a bit of an exception because he, he's not part of the back four. Is he? He's, he's kind of his own entity, I guess, as a goalkeeper. So I don't I don't hate that, and he'll continue to do a good job. But I do think he'll have work to do in the, the fixtures, even though yeah. they are, as you say, particularly 31 and 32. Um, I, I, think, I think we'll give them a game, we being West Ham in 33, but Leeds away and Nottingham Forest at home are about as good as you could get right now. So it's based on my read. I don't like them as a collective. Um, if you're just looking at the at the fixtures uh, and, and historic kind of acumen, then sure, it, it makes complete sense to 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 to, to pile into them. I guess that they are still still active in this in this season as well. There is still they are not a beach team yet. For example, they're not going to be one that we're talking about later. Um, I've just, as I say, Brandon, I've just kind of lost a bit of faith in in them as a, which feels unthink if you'd said that to me at the beginning of the season that this would be a conversation i'd be having to you in april <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have believed you you know yeah. but that's where you, i am personally you also you just like, said there's that none think... in my wild card team right <laughs> i see zero liverpool players in your wild card mm. you did just say that you think west ham is going to give liverpool a game i'm going to remember that yeah you may be right Yeah, i think so you may be yeah, right we'll, 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 we'll see we'll see we, t- we tend to do okay at home so um and I think they're at ours. Yeah, I think they are at our patch. So, yeah, yeah everybody... it's normally like a year that I come on the show. So hopefully you will have forgotten by then or West Ham won't be in the league. So it won't be a topic of conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, well. Um, I, on that note, I think that's a good place to leave our bus teams. We're both captaining Holland. You don't even need to say anything. For sure. With that Just on regard. that, Brandon, yeah, I did wonder, do you know, for people who, who have the triple captaincy chip at hand, which I don't imagine will be many at this stage of the season with the doubles that have gone on so far. Um, and I know that there are doubles to come. I would not hate an Erling, ha- uh, Erling Haaland mm-hmm. triple captaincy for that Leicester game uh, in, in game week 31. I know it's a bit, you know, to, against the grain to say, you know, use that chip in a non-double. But I mean, how how much have they worked out for us over the course of the last three or four years since that chip's been uh, in play? I would, I would suggest not often. Um, Leicester are terrible at the moment. They made Bournemouth look good and uh-huh. that takes some doing. Um, <laughs> I I think yeah. um, I, I wouldn't hate that, particularly yeah. if you're um, if you're chasing. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. I, I guess City do have a double in 34 where they have Fulham and, and West Ham. So maybe you want to consider yeah. that for, for bettering your odds. But uh, often, yeah, these yeah. chips are down to strike while the iron is hot. Strike when the players have the fitness and the form. 
So it could be a, yeah. it could Goodness be me, that's monk. a tasty double. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, <fair laughs> but I, I, it's probably I, more sensible. <laughs> I like I like your mode of thinking. And if you like everybody's mode of thinking on the Always Cheating podcast, and you want to thank us for what me and Tom and Josh do every week, feel free to join us as a supporter on our Patreon pod. That's Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating. Lots of different tiers where you can support and get FPL content in return, like access to our Discord server, or an extra ad-free podcast every week, usually happening Thursday night, right up against the game week deadline after midweek fixtures have played and we've got more information. And a special thanks to our newest supporters, Guy Schaefer and Julian Douglas. Again, that's patreon.com slash always cheating. We're going to take a quick break, and Tom and I will be back to preview game week 31, talk more about Rashford, Liverpool, Manchester City, what are we doing with Arsenal, and more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Tom and I are back, and we're going to preview Game Week 31, which begins uh, Saturday morning with Aston Villa Newcastle. And both of these teams are in screaming form. You mentioned Unai Emery earlier, Tom, and this Villa team, including Ollie Watkins, just absolutely mm-hmm. undeniable at this point. Defense looks good. Emmy Martinez, post World Cup, he was mm-hmm. able to capture and bottle that Qatar magic, and he's been getting a lot of fantasy returns, lots of save points, lots of bonus. And then there you have Newcastle. I think Newcastle had a, a, a tough fixture uh, against Brentford, and we would all predict mm. that always going to the GTEC the last couple of years is tough. The fact that Newcastle were just really getting uh, barnstormed. Barnstormed? Blitzkrieged? Mm-hmm. Blitzed? Let's say that <laughs> Newcastle were getting blitzed in that first half and credit to Newcastle for wrestling control of the match back. And then they had, did have some good fortune in Tony taking the first bad pen of his life. But as a way mm-hmm. into game week 31, give me your early prediction on Aston Villa, Newcastle. What do you think we're going to see here? Yeah. Well, um, I think what we're going to see is, is a game between two 
very informed sides and I'm super looking forward to it. I suspect that it's a very FPL relevant. There's certainly no pure watch territory mm-hmm. being explored here, is it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you've, if you've, if you've been, um, you know, fortunate enough to, to own Ollie Watkins for a little while, which I'm sure a lot of people do. I think there's a tale of forwards here, Brandon, because Newcastle, Eddie Howe um, made a tactical switch. Uh, I believe it was at halftime in the Brentford game and actually decided to, kick it old school with uh, two <laughs> forwards which is not something it. we see often <laughs> yeah and it, and it worked right it was cool to see Isaac and, and Callum Wilson um you know coexist on on the on the same yeah. pitch together and show that that can that can work with the press with with Gordon you know uh, helping helping out on the on the flank as well so look a really tough game to call um I don't think I would be saying to anyone to to avoid playing their FPL assets as a as a um as a consequence of that i think i'd probably be tempted to to lean into the um uncertainty and say this could go either way there could be offensive points for either team there could be defensive points from either team because i do think it's going to be super close so i would be tempted to um to play your play your assets with um free abandon you know how about how about you how do you see it going Uh, i i'm Mm -hmm. in complete agreement i think that's a good way of framing it is it's going to be a good game and not one that you should try to prematurely predict by way of your fantasy team because what will you'll end up basically going half measures, you know, like Walter White says in Breaking Bad, there there should be no half measures. You're either all in uh, or you're not in at all. And um, I agree, this could be like a 2-0 Villa or it could be a 2-0 mm-hmm. Newcastle. In all likelihood, it's probably a 2-1 in either way but uh we roll mm-hmm. the dice with our fantasy team so right now on my bus team i've got double newcastle defense mostly um for the for the lackluster nature of the rest of my bench Zuma's not going to play against arsenal in fantasy wise mm-hmm. shaw injured and um and i'm gonna play dunk against against chelsea so yeah that is that is a yeah, really fun, fun kickoff for for game week 31 mm-hmm. uh yeah, which le- leads us into um uh, the rest of the weekend, I think the mm-hmm. marquee matches. There, there are really no marquee matches as far as the Premier League Not for the three o'clock is yeah. is concerned. Well, at Chelsea Brighton, but at yeah. this point, um, I'm not sure how you feel about Brighton's challenge for the top four. Is this just sort of like a short man trying to act taller than they actually are? I mean, because yeah. Bright, Brighton have been magnificent. I will grant Haven't they, though? you that. I mean, yes. what a fun team. Yeah. Do you know what it feels like to me, Brandon, uh, the, the Brighton analogy? It feels to me that you've got so, – they're swinging their arms in, in, in a desperate attempt to land <laughs> land a blow, but they're, they're being held back by an arm from a person that's taller than them, right? So they just <laughs> yeah. can't can't quite do any damage. And even though they're, yeah. they're, 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 it's such a – wonderful team so much so much fpl relevance right from from the defect from the goalkeeper like i've done with uh with steel taking you know usurping as the predecessor and you stupid yan on the flank being a mm-hmm. great option lewis dunk scoring this weekend going into that midfield of like matoma march McAllister, all being exciting viable you could treble up if you wanted to if you have a way of getting through the blank with a free hit chip potentially and then even up front you've got the promise of ferguson as well like they are they are 
they are making fantasy fun again, right? Yes, um, so totally. I'm not going to be making the same mistake of benching those players um, in the run-in if I can possibly avoid it. So um, I think they 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 should be celebrated and should be trusted. I think they've earned the trust to to get a starting berth in FPL managers' yeah. teams. And I see no reason why Chelsea, off the back of a Champions League game and you know appointing Frank Lampard, who was fired by them, and a defeat to Wolves in which they mastered one shot on target to be uh, a game to you know contradict that steer so I'd be I'd be pretty pretty positive on Brighton's outlook in in that game and I do I do agree it's the standout of the certainly of the three o'clock um, slate of of of, of fixtures uh, yeah. I know we've got the Man City Leicester game rounding off the Saturday action as well which we're expecting you'd expect huge huge opportunities for the oh yeah I, in, I, I think apart from right? Yeah, I think apart from Villa Newcastle and Chelsea Brighton, the story of game week 31 is going to be all of the opportunity that there is for fantasy managers, where mm-hmm. we have Harry Kane home hosting Bournemouth, Holland home yeah. hosting Leicester, Liverpool away at Leeds, Manchester United. The Forest uh, are a different uh, animal or a different, different sort of uh, prospect at home. And, um, yeah. but. Let's let let's use that as a as a way into some team talk here, Manchester United, mm-hmm. because yeah. while Forest they do play well at home, Manchester United now have Christian Eriksen back to full fitness. He came mm-hmm. on as a substitute against Everton, looked fine. They will have Casemiro back from his red card suspension. Now, it's really poor timing, this Rashford injury, because Forrest could have been hosting like a newly full-strength Manchester United. But I, I, uh, what is, what's your feeling about what United might lose just in game week 31, assuming Rashford isn't fit to start, though they have this really great spine now back and fully fit? Good question. It's definitely relevant probably for the vast majority of managers. Let's assume for argument's sake he's going to be ruled out of the game week and people look to to move him on. I think the, the the feeling that I have is that with Anthony Martial being so liked by Eric Ten Hag, if he can stay fit for more mm-hmm. than a week, you then actually have the opportunity for him to to take that that striker slot away from say Veghorst yeah. and actually with Jaden Sancho now being um, a little bit more trusted and, and getting some semblance of fitness and consistency and continuity there he could potentially be one of the wide players potentially on the left with Anthony on the right right and mm-hmm. then you've got the Bruno Fernandes uh, versatility to potentially play as kind of an eight maybe with Sabitza or, or even a ten like you say Ericsson can... well the ten is where where you would historically have put him but he played so well playing deeper in the last game I want it's going to be fascinating to see how Ten Hag sets that midfield up with Ericsson returning I'm sure Casemiro the moment he comes back in will be the six and we'll we'll sit in front of the the, the back four and do a sterling job there as he always does so from Man United's perspective I actually don't think it's horribly timed provided that Martial can yeah. stay fit and like you say Ericsson and Casemiro being returning back so look, they'll miss him because he's been amazing this season um, off that left hand side and up front but uh, uh, and and look Tony Martial staying fit Brandon is not something <laughs> yeah. I would be betting any money on whatsoever so it's a huge if yeah. but um, if he manages it I yeah. think they'll, I think they'll be okay and I think they'll I think they'll put Forrest to the 
to the sword pretty pretty comfortably. I will get your views on that, Brandon, but I just wanted to get your views on Harry Kane before we uh-huh. move completely past the Saturday fixtures because you, you will have noticed I didn't include him and it was really tough for me to to take him out. He's been in my team for like the whole season, just quietly going about his business in the way that he does. <laughs> yes, he scored the winning goal uh, over the weekend, but I didn't think it was an impressive <laughs> showing for him. How do you How do you kind of feel for Kane down the stretch do you think he's a, a must include have I made a you know glaring error there to, to not include him what, what do you think about Kane uh, in 31 it, and, and beyond he's like a man in black yeah he goes about his business and sometimes you don't even notice that he's there but he's <laughs> he's very effective and uh, the story mm-hmm. of Kane's season is obviously his consistency uh, but then the argument that it's hard to not have a bias argument when it comes to Kane this season because he is so expensive versus what mm. you get. So if I if you don't have Harry Kane, you would say, well, he's too expensive for having such a low ceiling. Uh, but if you have him, you're like, well, I'll pay any amount of money for to get this level of consistency. But if you just look at his recent concern, uh, um, I'm sorry, his recent returns. He's uh, in in the last five matches. He's scored out of his last six matches. He's scored six goals, uh, but he's only had one match in which he's had double digit returns. So it's the age old: is this guy even captainable? I I I, I do feel like that you you can't have this conversation with. Well, you, there are many ways to have this conversation, which is why we have why we have a podcast. If. <laughs> Here, here's what here's where I am personally. If Liverpool didn't have a game week 32 fixture that was good and a decent double in 34, then I would jettison Salah, bring in Martinelli, some other cheaper high ceiling midfielder, and get Harry Kane in for mm-hmm. Ivan Tony or Ollie Watkins. I would do that for sure. You'd do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Given my commitment to future points, as always, you know how I love not not real points, but future points. This it's like I it's like I work on uh, in some sort of futures market on down in the financial district or something. I'm yeah. buying and we, selling we, we, points. We work on promises. <laughs> yeah, we work uh, on the promise uh, of points. Yeah. here at always cheating. Yeah, I'm just not going to have mm-hmm. Kane. Is is and yeah. that's not because I don't want him, but for you. Tom, was it a matter of like similarly with the case that you made for yeah. Liverpool? You look at Spurs. I was talking to our friend Dan O'Connor, Chancellor Dan, who who is a massive oh, Spurs yeah. supporter and season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. And he is just like, I can't stand watching my team. It is like a weekly mm-hmm. punishment. Um, now, you know, you know, diehard supporters will definitely be more self-effacing and self-abusive uh, for sure. But... There's something about the Spurs team that doesn't feel quite right. The goal that Harry Kane scores against Brighton, it's not that it was fortuitous because he found the space. Hoiberg did well to spot him. There was a deflection on the shot, but man, did it was a classic Kane caught it sweetly. So um, I don't know. There's so much to recommend about Kane, but there are Mm. so many, I think, alternatives to Kane. And for me, the story has not fully been written on Kane's fantasy season yet. Okay, well, that 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 makes that makes complete sense. And I guess it's interesting because when we when you reflect back on the season uh, from like talking FBL players, the temptation is to say, "Oh, he averaged 
you know, on a good season, five and a half points per game, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. And that that would be, you know, consistent with somebody being, uh, you know, uh, praising what they'd achieved. So <laughs> on that basis, if Harry Kane's getting, you know, six points per game because he's scoring or, you know, a, a goal a game or whatever, then we should all have him. Um yeah. I didn't really want to lose him, Brandon. I like the front three that I've arrived at with with Gabriel Jesus, Haaland and, and Watkins. It was a money thing for me because I really wanted De Bruyne yep. in for the for the run in, as I said. So um it was more more that really. I, I I guess what I'm saying is if you don't have Harry Kane, you can't then whine when Harry Kane <laughs> scores because uh-huh. he just yes. will. Like uh, so I didn't feel too bad like when he scored and i yeah. agree with your assessment on on yes. the goal itself but you know a, a one goal in a home game against a good brighton team was probably about what i would have expected from kane so um yeah i guess as a in a roundabout way we're both sort of saying you can if you make your bed without harry kane in there then you have to accept there's going to be yeah. some some pain down the down the run in, so, I guess. So, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. it. If you want a premium midfielder, then you can only have Holland up mm-hmm. front. And uh, I think mm-hmm. with your KDB dilemma and my, and not that it's a dilemma, and my my solid gambit, there's an interesting discussion to be had. Let's talk about Manchester City in a moment. But just before we move mm-hmm. away from Manchester United, I wanted to wanted to do a quick buy sell hold on two Manchester oh, yeah. United FPL relevant players, and Luke Shaw and Bruno Fernandez. So we're now debating, is Bruno going to stick with uh, sort of a quasi eight position or with Mm -hmm. Casemiro and Eriksen back in the squad, can Bruno push farther up and be 10 and maybe be even more intimately involved in the attack? If you owned Bruno right now, would you Mm -hmm. be thinking of selling him ahead of this game week 31 fixture against Nottingham Forest? No, it's a hold for me, Brandon. I think mm-hmm. he was he played magnificently well in the Everton game um, in that sort of slightly deeper lying role. I think he's sort of showed different facets of his game. They don't necessarily lend themselves to FPL points, unfortunately, for owners. But it's not to say that his involvement in the game didn't um, it was completely redundant from that perspective, because there was mm-hmm. still a you know a really decent headed chance uh, that I that I uh, recollect as well. Um, so I, th- I think Bruno Fernandes will always be a a, a solid um, FPL option for, when, for for managers, kind of irrespective where he's playing. I think he'll always find a way to influence the game positively. I think it will be slightly different in that deeper line role. But with with um, Ericsson coming back, Casemiro's ban shortly to be concluding. I think actually he'll be he'll be more um, it, the role he'll be playing around them will be more. Um, in keeping with what we've been used to over the past several yeah. seasons, which has been more offensive. So, um, and I guess something we didn't talk about as well is if if Rashford is out, then I guess actually the penalty situation probably finds itself back with Fernandez. Um, I'm sure Martial might have something to say about that, but you'd expect Bruno Fernandez to probably pull rank. So Definitely. I'd suggest it's a, it's a it's a hold for him. Yeah, I think, there, what do you think? I, I, I tend to agree there is more upside short term, especially with the Luke Shaw injury. 
Uh, mm. Because Luke Shaw takes so many set pieces and corners that mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. task is now delegated to Bruno with Shaw injured. So with Luke Shaw, I am an owner and I feel like he, mm. for me, is a hold for reasons I kind of covered mm. earlier in the show. But it, it sounds like he may be back fit earlier than we expected, certainly in time for the Game Week 34 double. I think Josh spoke about this when he was looking at his game week 30 transfers it's hard to find a defender that you really want at the moment Mm -hmm. arsenal were the best team the first half of the season in terms of desirable cheap defenders it's not so much the case at the moment arsenal have a bad patch of fixtures coming up they've struggled for clean sheets even though they've still been performing well so i feel like luke shaw is weirdly maybe also a hold given uh, uh considering news that we may or may not get midweek all right so uh liverpool uh a very much a story coming out well nothing has really changed about liverpool after that arsenal (laughs) match in terms of how we think about them they're still just a chaotic mess you know you're familiar with the the the, like online slang time of like chaotic good chaotic bad and chaotic evil like what what level of chaotic is liverpool for you right now can, Good, can, it, can it be like can it be all three because i just i feel like they are the they are a basket case you know and <laughs> yeah. i you know when, when you and i were talking about them a few moments ago i'm here running them down as as an fpl option and i'm staring fixtures of like leads who've just been battered by crystal palace who don't <laughs> score you know they, they're playing west ham who like i said it would be a tough game you kind of uh, it broke into laughter and 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 like Nottingham <laughs> Forest who yeah. who you know are, are, I think since the turn of the year or maybe bottom of the form chart and I'm saying like I'll forget them so like that feels completely contradictory yeah. and yet I've watched them today and for the first period of the game I'm like this team looks completely broken then they turned it around and Trent playing in this kind of central midfield or like inside right hand channel role still looks really effective attacking and yet can't defend and like jordan henderson was playing off the front and like i feel like chaos embodies them brandon so i think yeah. if you're a manager who likes uh likes having an element of the uh the unknown and the and the kind of the fun aspect then it's one then for the sure, punters isn't why not it? yeah i think it is yeah uh, but you'd yeah. be punting against a set of fixtures which you're like it's kind of an acceptable punt because they, yeah. they, they, you couldn't hope for a better run, could you? And then a double to follow, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, quick, it, it's hard to argue against them. Quick sidebar: this is this will be like mm-hmm. uh, Tom and Brandon's uh, fair play to you segment of the podcast <laughs> with Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace bring in Hodgson. Mm. They won two on the bounce. I mean, I I, I don't want to make too much of their performance against Leeds because. Leeds, they're just not a serious team. The way they celebrated that Bamford goal, it was like they just won the World Cup. And let's be real, Leeds, this is a professional league. You don't just score a goal and then are handed a giant like silver platter. No. Um, they forgot that you still had to play a full 90 minutes. And then they yeah. get, got absolutely torn to shreds. It was quite humiliating but mm-hmm. must one must give credit where credit is due Eze and olise looked just sublime uh i can't okay. even imagine what they would have done with zaha on the pitch even though jordan ayu uh played really well that's how poor leads were 
But you have mm-hmm. to get you have to tip your hat and say fair play to you to Crystal Palace and you mentioned Liverpool's upcoming fixtures. Palace have Southampton mm-hmm. away in game weeks 31 followed by Everton Wolves and West Ham through mm-hmm. game week 34. No doubles, no blanks, but in the spirit of the Luke Shaw defensive conversation, if you needed, say, a cheap defender, maybe Mark Gahey is somebody you would want to bring in. I'm not sure uh, we have a place for Eze or Olisa, just given how many other high-caliber yeah. midfielders we can afford with Brighton and Arsenal. But, you know, I mean, you want do you also want to tip your hat to Crystal Palace? Or is there an East, East London sort of issue that takes place with oh, your, no. your irons no don't worry about that i mean i, I feel again it, it when hodgson got the got appointed i was pr- pretty vocal about uh, i actually tweeted josh um at that point and said like at what point do we say this man should be allowed to left to be pottering around his allotment i think is how i put it <laughs> and uh, for me that was about like eight years ago and he's managing a premier league team and he's doing a great job so i've been proven wrong there look i i I feel like the leeds team is um is in disarray so um it was an amazing result for palace good on them um i haven't actually seen the performance that you just referred to from the offensive players but i do agree that to try and shoehorn a crystal palace midfielder in spite of those fixtures in is going to be difficult just from the perspective of you only have five slots and those places are going to be earmarked for some pretty yeah. uh sort of box office players brandon yeah. um even with the news that matt rashford might be out to to talk about replacing them with a crystal palace midfielder i feel is is a stretch to it probably a step too far defensively though we've mentioned that we're struggling looking around for options there aren't any teams who are looking like particularly watertight so i don't hate that one i'd probably spend some time and and invest some some time and doing some analysis into who looked the best offensively of that defensive like contingent i don't necessarily know who, who that is which is not great content yeah. for a podcast but um that <laughs> no would, you're good that Tom. you're probably good. be my advice um, yeah yeah <laughs> i i fell in love with yalkim anderson during his loan spell at fulham mm. but gay got the goal today but uh, both center backs i think are yeah. are pretty quality and, and worthy for a look so uh, the rashford okay. injury it's not going to be palace midfielders who fill in for him if you look to get rid This brings us to Manchester City, who are in the form of their season at the moment, and leading that charge is Jack Grealish. So, Tom, Mm -hmm. I I totally respect. I'm a fellow admirer of Kevin De Bruyne, and I wish I could have him in my fantasy squad forever. Wonderful uh, player to watch. But Grealish is taking, really, he's taking that mantle from De Bruyne. And in terms of his secured minutes, his his sort of like Mm -hmm. talismanic status, and now he's actually got the fantasy returns to boot. Would you consider getting Mm -hmm. rid of De Bruyne? Okay, so you've just given me a very watertight case for Harry Kane. Would you consider mm-hmm. moving De Bruyne to Grealish in order to fit Harry Kane into your front line? Oh, it's a great question. And and look, I mean, I, I could have done it on my wild card, um, Brandon, and in retrospect, because I'd seen how well Grealish had been doing. It, it's not like he performed so brilliantly 
away at Southampton and this is this has come as a shock to people right this is a continuation of a run of form which people have have kind of um identified over a number of weeks and probably mm-hmm. months right He's, he really has settled in in this second um season under Guardiola so probably should have given more time to that argument I'm not going to unravel what I've done personally I think you could make a case to say if I had my time over again then actually it would be more sensible to do that because looking at the game how the game played out as great as De Bruyne was and he was he was amazing he showed why he's a great FBL mm-hmm. pick Grealish was super far advanced on that left-hand side he's playing such uh confidence right now he seems much more willing to actually shoot um mm-hmm. just to fundamentally just take the shot um mm-hmm. whether or not that's something that's that's um come from his manager or just an inner confidence seems like I, he's I, taking I, better I shots having... too tom yeah uh, sure. i feel like yeah, the quality is gotta, yeah the first part of the season mm-hmm. he was trying to do the you know the opposite of anthony on anthony on mm-hmm. manchester united oh, where yeah. he's cutting in from the mm-hmm. right and he's just trying to wallop it to the far post mm-hmm. and it does seem like like over the last month, Grealish has found better shot selection. He's yeah. gotten better at working the shot and not trying to shoot through yeah. three defenders. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. Point. Manchester City, on the whole, are just a very perplexing mm. team for people who have already used their free hit because they are offering <laughs> so much fantasy wise yeah. right now. But they they do have that very awkward Don't blank, play. and I, yeah. I I I think if you have the free hit. Grealish seems like now is the optimal time. Now, if not now, then when? I think it's going to be a very popular transfer. For Rashford to Grealish will be done in droves. It probably already has been run mm-hmm. and it is being done as as you and I are recording and like and like I understand it. Definitely hard to argue against. Uh, the case is if you happen to have a third Man City and by the in the shape of Edison in your goal, <laughs> oh, st- no! stinking this place out, you're just like, okay, this is painful to have to take the two points that he gives oh, me every week and see Grealish I, yeah. tear it up. So, um, yeah, I feel like my bed's probably been made um, okay. in relation to my Man City players for the time being. If Grealish goes in and hammers a whole load of points against Leicester, which is absolutely possible i would say probable um then i'm gonna feel pretty silly but that won't be the first time this season and look like i just spent like five minutes get grealish (laughs) i feel like i spent five minutes offering dance classes to a man in a wheelchair but uh (laughs) that that analogy is perfect yeah because because fbl fbl is a dance and 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 i've got two left feet this season so (laughs) oh bless you i don't know i don't know i i would I would love to have Grealish in my... I'll put it this way, Brandon, as succinctly as I can. I would love to have Jack Grealish in my team. Right? Yeah. That's just yeah. as, as straightforward yeah. as I can put it. I, I would love to have him in my team. And and kudos mm-hmm. to Grealish for taking Mares totally, finally, once... not Maybe not... I won't say for all or forever, but he's taken Mares out of the conversation. I thought both Grealish mm-hmm. and Mares looked sensational, but looking back to mm-hmm. game week 29, Mares poor... Uh, in my estimation, in game week 30, and Grealish continued to look good. So that is an interesting one. We've kind of already covered the bases with Man City's defense. The last team that we kind of need to cover as we look ahead to the coming game weeks is Arsenal. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving parts here because we have... Arsenal may be the one team this season where managers have invested everywhere from defense to midfield to forward. And now that Jesus is back, you know, 
meats back on the menu or whatever that famous line is from Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. A couple questions just to set the table here uh, to continue with that menu theme. Stephen Curtis says, with all the doubles coming up, are we missing out on Arsenal assets who do not double? And the interesting thing with Arsenal is they have no blanks, good. They have no doubles, Mm -hmm. not so good. And they also have a rather tough run of fixtures, especially if we look ahead to game week 33. Now, Arsenal have mm-hmm. West Ham away and Southampton at home in 32. And then it's an awkward run where they play at the Etihad, basically for the title. Then it will be Chelsea at home, followed by Newcastle and then Brighton. So those four game weeks are mm-hmm. going to be uh, very dicey. So I agree with your 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 general feeling, Tom, in that attack Uh, is going to be ultimately the most secure and important thing for Arsenal. As they strive for the title, they will need goals as they play against tough opposition. They certainly could win very consistently, but will they be keeping clean sheets consistently enough for us to be able to justify the likes of Gabriel or, or Ben White? Todd Byerly also asks, do we hold Arsenal mids despite these tough fixtures? I've had Martinelli all season and, and see no reason to drop him. He's delivering, and he's a fun differential pick at this mm-hmm. point. Somehow, I mean, this watching that Liverpool Arsenal match, Mart everything that Arsenal was doing with their attack seemed to be running through Martinelli. Saka didn't have an especially great game, though he did create the space. I think that led to that uh, Martinelli opening goal. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. it just seems so remarkable to me that that one injury and threat of rotation with Trossard for Martinelli, and suddenly we've all lost him. Um, mm-hmm. So what are we doing? What's our strategy with Arsenal right now? Is I think there are a few different ways to look at it. The combination traditionally through the season is double Arsenal midfield plus a defender. I think we've we've covered the defense here. Is it now triple midfield with Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus misses out? The case for Jesus missing out in fantasy is because we already have a bevy of options, whether it's Watkins, Tony, Kane, Holland, name mm-hmm. your name your player. You've picked up Jesus on your wild card. Do you feel like his upside or his um, what he could offer is is compelling enough that you would do maybe double or single Arsenal mid plus Jesus. Um, so I think history's probably told me, Brandon, that when you get to this stage of the season, the sensible play and the play that I would be recommending is to not jettison all of the players who are competing for the title. It might sound really straightforward, but actually with playing the fantasy game, sometimes that can be super tempting and can make sense to do if the fixtures don't lend them lend themselves to what you would expect, you know, the likely place for returns, um, for offensive returns. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that it goes that way. I think when these teams are you know, they're wired so tightly and they recognize that this is an historic opportunity, that is going to come around maybe once in their careers, right? That's it literally could be in that sort of terms for some of these guys because state ownership is not going anywhere, right? Newcastle have got it. The likelihood is Man United might get it. It's already been a part of the league in relation to Man City, etc. Liverpool could come back and, and become 
the the force that they have been over the recent times. Chelsea have just dropped like half a billion pounds and changed managers all the time and stuff. So the chance you, you saying like, are we going to be t- competing for the title next season? If you're an Arsenal player, you could every chance you could but there's going to be an awful lot of things will need to go right for that to happen so my feeling is that they've uh, and we talked about Brighton players earning trust I feel Mm -hmm. like this Arsenal team from an attacking perspective especially have earned the trust from a fancy perspective to back their players and I think to the tune of of two I think two's enough I think that's the sweet spot. I think one minimum, I think, would be, I would say, I would be very uncomfortable and I wouldn't be happy seeing a team with no Arsenal players in in, in their team at all. No one I wants to two, see you unhappy, Tom. Well, they've, if they followed my season, then they would have done. Um, <laughs> but uh, And as a hammer, you, you, you spend a lot of time... It's um, baked into your DNA uh, at this point. Yeah, sort of, sort of battling that and being able to mask it. Um, but look, I, I think t- the two that you pick, if you follow my advice, I, I, at that point, I then think it becomes a bit more subjective and probably a bit more relevant to how your team is yeah. um, composed and, and or comprised rather, you know, in terms of where you've spent your money. From my perspective, it made sense to have quite expensive midfielder in Saka and um, I liked the fact that Jesus was not super heavily owned, having just come back from injury. Huge fan yeah. of him as a player, as an FPL option as well. But to have Saka and Martinelli instead, I think makes sense. Saka and Martinelli makes sense. Martinelli and Jesus makes sense. I feel like from my perspective, that's what I'd be recommending. And I would I would say you don't want to have none. That's how that's how I personally yeah. I see it, with the title being for grabs. I wouldn't fear the Man City game either. I think they will like we talked about before the game, they will want to beat them, not just because it would mean potentially they win the league. They they would want to beat them to say, we went toe-to-toe with this great team when we won the league. And it wasn't that we, we beat everyone else but couldn't, and they slipped up. It's like, and we, we beat them on their Agreed. patch. I think they'll they'll want that. So so that's my feelings. It's um, Is your feeling the then that you're you're looking at another Ederson clean sheet wipeout when win these two teams inevitably uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll probably play steel instead to, if there he's got go. a fixture and yeah um uh, yeah I, I, how have i ended yeah. up with edison i mean how many times can you be hurt and still go I back <laughs> hey listen i i'm talking about bringing in allison so the premium keeper dream remains alive it's it's like tinkerbell oh. telling the audience to keep clapping and that's that's what we're doing you and i <laughs> Uh, but yeah. as far as who to get on Arsenal, it's very much mm. for me an unanswerable question because I think like the beauty of this Arsenal team and how Arteta sets them up is they are able to interchange uh, and respond to their opposition. And I think who will do well in this Arsenal squad is really going to come down to their opposition. We might be able to predict that if, you know, we go into the game film room, Tom, and we analyze mm-hmm. every one of their opponents. Uh, that's, that's not going to happen on this episode. No. But for me, I just think I'm mean, Odegaard. I think it's undeniable that he's kind of fallen out of fantasy favor while he will still have guaranteed mix uh, uh, minutes. I think it is down to, Martinelli right now feels like the strongest option, followed mm-hmm. by Saka and Jesus. And they all feel like they're they're right there for yeah, yeah. the taking. Yeah, agree, man. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so those are the good teams. Uh, the last thing we want to cover on this podcast is 
teams to target. You know, it's all good and well to know who the good teams are, but who are the teams that are probably have the softest center? And it's not as cut and dry as you think. You know, you've mentioned Bournemouth a few times, Tom, and even though Bournemouth are still in the relegation conversation, they prove to be a tough opponent. Even when they lose, they are limiting teams to to one or two goals, and they are taking some yeah. pretty big scalps along the way. I've come up with four teams that I feel like we can consider targeting, whether it's with a rogue captaincy or maybe you just want to take a one mm-hmm. to two game flyer and you see that this this flyer is actually playing them. Fulham I say is them. I say them, yeah, Fulham mm-hmm. is chief among them. And I do think <laughs> that the way I think the the blame falls at Marco Silva's feet here for the way he handled first and foremost on the touchline, that situation at Old Trafford in the FA the Cup. FA Cup he, game, yeah. Yep, mm. When he got the red card and it, all the emotion kind of spilled over with Mitro, uh, I think that all of the good work that Silva had done over the last season and a half, coming up through an incredible season in the championship and a great first half of the season in the Premier League could be undone emotionally. And I think that's what you've seen the last few weeks with Fulham is is they've just kind of unraveled. It's hard, I think, when you're in a very sort of unknown position like Fulham have been. You know, they've they've had a lot of belief and they've played very well. They've played a very high energy pressing yeah. style and they've played with with some fluency. But you take an emotional punch like that and you start to wonder like is it's where do we stand in this pyramid actually? And then you, they look around and they see a whole re- rebuild job in the summer with Tim Ream, probably not likely to have another season like this, Paulinho moving on. Um, they they do, f- and, and couple that, Tom, with the fact that Fulham are safe. They're not going yeah, down. that's it. That's um, it. No. They, they are probably the optimal. I will not hear anybody say that Fulham are bad. Fulham are a good team. They're a good club. They're yeah. a good squad. Definitely. But mm-hmm. um, they've done it. They've scored their points, and it's it's now now it's just really up to the opposition. So Fulham Fulham are beached. Leicester uh, they absolutely rudderless. Incredibly good players on that squad, but to see the way James Madison folded and gave up mm. that match the way he did, they are without a manager. I think Leicester can definitely be targeted. That's what we're doing with our captain seats on with Holland. You know, we're we're taking a real a real leap of faith there with Holland captaincy. Mm -hmm. But Southampton are my third because they're down and they they're probably the team on this list who I just think flat out don't have the players. And they just feel very young to me, honestly, Mm -hmm. and young and hastily put together. And then Leeds, you know, I don't want to continue to hammer away at them. I know some Leeds fans listen, and I don't want to further offend them. Uh, would you argue with any of these four teams, or do you want to add? And this is really more for a fantasy perspective. You yeah. know, we could have teams yeah, that yeah. are like Forest in the relegation zone, Everton have their own issues, and so on. But from a fantasy perspective, what do you think? I I, I don't disagree with any of them uh brandon before i get to them i just i cannot believe it's taken me like an hour and a half almost to come on your show and not talk about phil billing 
like <laughs> Philip yes Philip Billing has been um one of the funniest um uh, people I associate with the AC podcast yeah. uh, for years because he's ended he was in your team when he was at Huddersfield <laughs> yeah. for months on end and and i just and i'd have no idea how he yeah. managed to get the stay of execution that he did but man what a season he's having right yeah. and so quietly and, score. and just and just amazing and i was like oh i'm coming on the show like west ham have beaten fulham i've wild carded and philip billing is like a legitimate yeah. fpl topic everything so look, alive. Oh, we don't need to say it right now yeah everything alive look the, te- the teams you, you you pointed out i definitely agree i just think from a from an fpl um way that you target these teams though it can differ because i actually think whilst fulham i do agree they can be targeted i don't think teams is going to go there and batter them um you know famous mm-hmm. last words but I, I, mm-hmm. I still think there's a level of professionalism and and um kind of uh, kind of continuity and good uh, what you how you guys are set up and you, to yeah. your point they're a good team but i i do think there are potential to that they might struggle to score many more. So we've yes. talked about, you know, where a clean sheet's going to come from. Maybe that's how you do that. Well, when Fulham are playing, they did they looked a little toothless against against West Ham. Everton similarly, I would say, didn't didn't create I think much it was run. 75% possession for Fulham against mm-hmm. West Ham. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one I think it was one shot on target. Just, That's it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in a situation and I think uh, missing Mitro obviously With plays Mitro into that, but yeah. to to mm-hmm. not to to hold the ball and not shoot, yes, is a recipe yeah. for a clean sheet uh to to get done one nil like they did this weekend. Yeah. Whereas conversely, I think Southampton, for example, I think that I think that the wind is out of the sails there as a as a club rather than just mm-hmm. I think Salas has come in and kind of trying to improve things a bit. But uh, a friend of mine is a regular goer to St Mary's, um, and he and I have been. You can imagine our text conversations aren't particularly positive, um, haven't <laughs> yeah. been this season, and we're both kind of saying, "Well, you haven't got as bad as as us," and at different points in the season. Both of us have been right, um, at the, you know, different different points. Uh, and he said that this chant came about um, during the Man City game. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Please. He said, yes. um, "We uh, we lose at home and we lose away. We lost last week and we'll lose today. We can't score goals and we always concede. We are the famous Southampton FC. And if that's being chanted by your own fans." <laughs> on mass in a home game i feel like you're pretty safe in saying that they are a team that you can you can target so no i like your uh, i like your uh, your selection that's you, better than sure. any excel pivot table that we could ever present uh, from the data corner that chant is is really the only analysis that you need it wholeheartedly agree and and what better way to end a podcast that is titled after a chant same old arsenal always cheating Southampton, long may ye reign, even in the championship. Sometimes it's okay to go down. Sometimes you have to, mm-hmm. you have to do that to um, become serious again. Tom Campbell, who you can find at utterly TC on Twitter, doing weekly videos for fantasy football fix with some of the best managers in the game. Tom, uh, you're a great friend, a great football mind, and I so appreciate your time coming on the pod. Any last words, anything else you need to plug or get off your chest? 
Oh, no, man. Nothing nothing to plug, just sincere uh, gratitude and thanks to you for inviting me back, Brandon. Always uh, love hanging out. And uh, yes, yeah, really nice of you to to, to uh, mention the videos that I do. I always link them in my Twitter bio. So if people listen want to come and uh, give me a follow and hang out with me there, then that would be that would be cool too. But, uh, you know, until next time, hopefully West Ham will still be uh, a topic of conversation next time I come on next season. And, uh, <laughs> For even better if or not, worse. I'll still be happy to join. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good deal. All right. Yeah. And if you want to support the pod again, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. And at the top tier of Patreon, we like to thank our producers, Mike DePitcher, Trevor Ingerson, our buddy Chris Howell, Bob Kuhn, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Lazarus, Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Bruce Kerr, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Todd Byerly, Dan Parsons at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Jefferson Turner, Buffalo Wild Mings, Francis Moore, Sam Shower, Caleb Robbie, Velger, Paulson Kruger, Alex Holcomb, James Keatley, The Saint, Bob Fox, Craig Jackson, Thomas Andre, Shalin F. Kadakia, Paul Herzig, Heath Cram, Thomas Tislov, and Noah and Louise. Rate, review, subscribe to the Always Cheating Podcast wherever you get your podcast, even YouTube. You can subscribe on YouTube now. Uh, to get the audio versions, follow us on Twitter at Hell Cheaters, wherever you get your social media. All this information and more is at alwayscheating.com. And uh, let's let take us out as you brought us in, Tom. Give us a big, strong Poku forever, and I will say Embakani uh, forever as well. Poku forever.